Hi again, folks, and welcome to episode number 295 of Unscripted with Mike and Chris. Mike Jansen, Chris Fluke with you. I uh, hope all is well in your world. Uh, a lot of things going on in ours, both professionally and uh, here uh, on the, from the wonderful and wacky world of sports. We've got the uh, all-star break. I, I We talked briefly about the National Hockey League in episode 294, but... Uh, there's and I just wonder with the All Star break coming up this weekend, and I I saw that the local team has a ten day break. I think that's too much in the middle of a season. I think the first couple games coming back, they don't play again till February. But we can talk about that for sure. The NBA, um, uh, I'm thinking that the rest of the league, now that Boogie Cousins has made his uh, season debut as a member of the Golden State Warriors for his one and only season. With the Warriors, he's made his debut. Um, folks, if he ever gets it fully in gear, I don't think there's going to be much uh, to worry about as to who's going to win in June. Um, there are some teams that think they have a legitimate chance, and, and their their records may indicate that, but you put five All-Stars on the floor at the same time. Um, pretty tough to beat the uh, Golden State Warriors, I would think, moving forward. How desperate are the Los Angeles Lakers as it looks like it's going to be at least another week now for LeBron with this groin injury that he sustained back on Christmas Day? The Lakers have actively, supposedly contacted the representatives of one Carmelo Anthony. (laughs) Folks, if that isn't enough for you to start drinking, here's your official get out of, you know, get to a bar and and stay in a bar because Carmelo Anthony is the last thing that a young team needs. It's better if Lonzo Ball can play on his bad ankle than to play with Carmelo Anthony in your lineup. Carmelo does nothing, so we can certainly talk about that. Lakers right now, as we sit here today, from my recollection, would be on the outside looking in in the playoff picture right now because of this recent uh, absence of LBJ in the Lakers lineup. Uh, Major League Baseball is where we need to start, though, here with episode 295. And I know, I know, I know, I know how many times have I said I wouldn't talk about baseball until the third week of February. Well, this is a special occasion. This is a special occasion, I have to say. Because it's something that happened for the first time in baseball history, folks. And that was that Yankees all-star, superstar, man of the year, man of the whatever, Mariano Rivera, their all-star closer, was the first time this has happened in Major League Baseball history. He was a unanimous choice for his inclusion into the Baseball Hall of Fame. This this season, the 2019 class of the Baseball Hall of Fame, they'll be enshrined in Cooperstown, New York, usually about the second week, first or second week of July, usually around the 4th of July. They have a game at that old stadium in Cooperstown, New York, and enshrine these guys. Joining Mariano Rivera in the Baseball Hall of Fame this year, um, Canadians should be happy about this. They got this one right for damn sure. Um, it's too bad it happened one year too late, but uh, former Blue Jays, former Phillies all-star pitcher Roy Halladay was included in this year's 2019 class. That's great news. Of course, Halladay passed in an um, airplane accident near his off-season home in Dunedin, Florida, Tampa area. Um, last March, I believe it was in and around the end of March last year 
when he was lost uh, in an airplane crash. Former Seattle Mariners all-star designated hitter Edgar Martinez. And kind of a surprise for me, not Edgar Martinez, but the, the fourth one of this class, pitcher Mike Mussina. Uh, a bit of a surprise for me, I got to admit. Um, obviously was the horse of the Baltimore Orioles pitching staff for years, but really never saw any postseason shrapnel until he became a member of the New York Yankees. And he put up some good numbers, but I don't think Moose ever won 20 games in New York. I think he probably did that in Baltimore for sure in his youth. Uh, great collegiate pitcher from Stanford uh, in those days. Uh, I think he, if, if memory serves me correctly, led the Stanford Cardinals one year to the uh, Collegiate World Series. I don't think they won it that year at Rosenblatt Stadium in Omaha, Nebraska. But I was surprised by Mark, Mike Mussina, but very happy. Not surprised at all about Mariano Rivera, unanimously, obviously. If you get all, that, all, that, all those baseball writers to agree on one thing, that must mean that the guy did pretty damn well. Really excited and really happy for Roy Halladay. Edgar Martinez, he was a hitting machine, but mostly recognized as a designated hitter going in to the hall. But kind of surprised by Mike Mussina, but congratulations to all four of them. Well, the interesting thing I'm just seeing here on Twitter right now is uh, that someone is mentioning that you know, Roy Halladay always said that he would want to go into the Hall of Fame with a Blue Jays cap on. Yeah. And apparently now his family is uh, pushing for a non-logo cap. Oh, that's bullshit. That is bullshit. Uh, Oh, I'm disappointed That's very disappointing. He should go in as a Blue Jay. Obviously. He said, I saw some video. I'm sure he would if he was alive. Yeah, I saw some video recently that said to that fact that he believed. And it was funny, they replayed an, uh, um, an an interview that he did with the baseball writer for the Toronto, I can't remember his name, but anyway, they were, uh, he was doing an interview and they asked him, Stephen something, and they asked him, when did you feel that you became a Toronto Blue Jay for life? And he says, the minute I was traded to Philadelphia. That's what he said. Halliday's response was, the minute I was traded to Philadelphia, I knew then. That tells me he missed being a Toronto Blue Jay. But he should go in as a Blue Jay. Yes, he threw a no-no in a postseason game. He threw a no-no in a regular season game. Led the Phillies to a, the 2008 World Series over the Tampa Bay Rays. But still, Roy Halladay should be remembered as a Blue Jay like Lloyd Mosby and like all those other guys. George Bell, <laughs> uh, Roberto Alomar. They're all remembered as career Blue Jays. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's where Roy Halladay belongs. For oh, them, sure. for sure he does. That's super disappointing. I just saw that now and it's... Uh... Yeah, that, that's weird. But Roy Halladay was really beloved, and that was just a real shame, that, uh, you know, amateur aviation accident. That was really too bad. And, yeah. uh, you know, that it's weird. You know, you don't think you're here going to hear about plane crashes killing people anymore, you know, other than, of course, 9-11. You don't really hear about, I mean, I guess not commercial plane crashes. You really don't. But these amateur ones are interesting. Like Jim Prentice, our own right. pre- premier, right. died just a couple of years ago. Very distinguished politician, amazing at the national level. Just, you know, he never really uh, had, well, he never really had a chance to get his footing here, but uh, it wasn't going that great for him. But, uh, you know, and now, and then now that. You know, it's interesting. I was watching the other day, uh, Joe Rogan was hanging out with Bill Burr, and Bill Burr got his helicopter license. And did you know, and Joe Rogan was shocked at this too, that like if you have, if you have your own helicopter and you have a helicopter license and everything, you can just, Take your helicopter and fly through downtown Los Angeles if you want. And they were. 
They really? were like we they showed video. It's Joe Rogan and Bill Burr, the comedian, just flying just the two of them in a helicopter flying through downtown LA. And Joe Rogan's like, I didn't know you could do this. And he's like, Yeah, you can. I thought there'd be all the these airspace things. Yeah, airspace restrictions and all sorts of stuff. No, you can just take your helicopter and fly through downtown LA. No problem. Hmm. I had no idea. I thought that was very interesting. But anyway, yeah, so we lost uh, Roy Halliday far too soon. Classy guy, worked hard, even as a superstar, was known to right. be at the facility at 5 a.m., you know, and just just a great guy and uh, uh, real, real shame. But at least he's going into the hall. But no question, it should be as a Blue Jay. Is this some sort of maybe anti-Canada thing? Like, I mean, let me ask you this. I guess I've never, I don't know if I've ever really asked you this. When... You're down in the state, and this would have really been bad for something like the Expos or in some cases the Nordiques or something. Like when you're, if you're, especially if you're an American, you're looking up at a French speaking place in a different country, never mind a different country. Like, is there a natural tendency, and maybe not as bad in, uh, in Wisconsin where you're right by Canada, but is, do you think that there's a lot of Americans, especially from maybe farther away from the Canadian border, that look up and don't want to play for the Raptors or the Expos when they're around or the Blue Jays or anything like that? Do you think that's the case? I don't think today, but I think uh, when I first came here 22 years, almost 23 years ago, I felt that there, that was the way it was. I yeah. really did. What changed then? Well, the Raptors have gotten better. They're paying top dollar. Um it was really difficult, I believe, when the Raptors started because they're a new entity. They were the one of, of mm-hmm. you know, uh, that was the first time that anybody had, had taken an NBA franchise north of the border in a, in a hockey, hockey, hockey hotbed market. And, you know, any expansion team, except the Vegas Golden Knights, of course, but any ex- most expansion teams struggle first couple of years. And you're coming up to a new market. Um, the second official language is French. Uh, the taxes are stifling here compared to they are how they are in the United States. And the bottom line, they were playing their first year and then moved to another. When they moved to the Sky Dome, they're playing in cavernous baseball stadiums. Um, I think the, the Raptors became a true NBA franchise. A, they got better, but that happened when they finally built the ACC and it was more like a an NBA type of, of arena. Mm-hmm. Um, and the biggest thing, the biggest thing, I know that Vince Carter was a was a was a a mainstay in in Toronto and what he did for Canadian basketball, but when the Raptors really started to play better and really started to make strides as being the team that they are now, is when they drafted Chris Bosh. Chris Bosh, and then all of a sudden you had some other players come in and trickle in, and and uh, Bosh signed two contracts here with Toronto, and that kind of solidified to other free agents that hey maybe. It's not so bad to play in Toronto. And uh, I think that that was that way uh, for years with the Blue Jays. And now remember, the Blue Jays have been around longer. But and the they Blue went J- back-to-back World Series, Correct, too. but yeah. going back to the 70s when they're playing in Exhibition Stadium and you're trying to sell free agents and your home opener is played in a snowstorm at Old Exhibition Stadium on the lake in Toronto and they're playing the Chicago White Sox in 1977, it's a snowstorm. Um, so I think the first... 10 or 15 years, or 10 years maybe, until they Bobby Cox came on board and they started drafting some of the talent that became the great Toronto teams of, the, of 92 and 93 when they won back-to-back. Once you started attracting talent like Paul Molitor to come up here and you started to attract talent like Joe Carter to stay here, that legitimized them as a Major League franchise, Major League Baseball franchise, and all the other bullshit that was probably... 
in hindsight. You watch, you know, and, and let's be honest here. And I'm taking a shot at Americans here, but I remember, and this is recent. We're on these game shows that you see on Game Show Network or whatever. And they ask a question, you know, which is our closest neighbor? And stupid Americans say Mexico or they say Cuba or they say they, they forget about Canada. I don't know what it is. Oh, man. I, I love those jaywalking segments with Jay Leno. They asked this one American dude. They asked him, which two countries border the U.S.? Yeah. Yeah. And his answer was... This story, this is hard for me. <clears throat> Australia and Hawaii. <laughs> okay. One is a country, but it's really fucking far away with a with a thing called the Pacific Ocean. <laughs> like between. 11 time zones yeah. away. Yeah, yeah. And the other one is a state in <laughs> the, the United, United States. States. Yeah. Wow. I remember watching a game show and the contestant was from Chicago. Mm-hmm. And they asked her from where they were... And the question was, if you're sitting at, I don't know what destination, but it was definitely in the northern hemisphere, in the northern part mm-hmm. of the United States. If you're sitting in this city, what is the close? And this is just, it's it just so scary. And they asked, what, which country is closest in proximity to where you're sitting? And the answer is obvious, is Canada. Mm-hmm. If you're sitting in Chicago, New York, anywhere. And she says, Mexico. I just, I know we do, I, I know that we really did no studying of Canadian history growing up when I did in, in, in the school systems that I was in. We did nothing about no, Canada. But, knowing but I know Canada's, border. but I know having attended some Canadian university up here, I know that they spend a lot more time learning about American history than Americans do about Canadian history. But to not know the two countries, the U.S. Oh, borders... I, 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 I get that. Another, yeah. Well, but see, some people believe that north of Montana and north of Minnesota and north of North Dakota is just one big iceberg. Yeah. I, I'm telling you, I, I used to laugh at it. Now it's kind of, well, it's, not, it's kind of sad, really. I love those segments. So, I mean, it's almost too much for me because people are so stupid and just so clueless and it's... It's unbelievable. I did also like, remember when Jay Leno would do the weddings? You know, it'd be like that, you know, it, it, it'd be real wedding headlines that people would send in. Yeah. It'd be like, you know, like for me, it'd be like the fluke Riz wedding. Well, that's not funny, but like if it's two words that work that oh, funny together. I see. Okay. And the one I'll never forget. And this is probably not how you pronounce these two names, but they had the Wiener Whack Off wedding. <laughs> I'll never forget that one. Like they, all these other ones are good, and he hits me that I was like, was or that might have been let? Was that no? That was that was Jay Leno. Doesn't matter. Yeah, but, we don't whack off wedding. <laughs> I, I, I remember. I remember it was because it might have been Weiner, maybe it's pronounced. Yeah. Like, I, but it's spelled like Weiner, and then it might have been W I E, and then whack off had no H. I remember it's W A C K O F F was the last name, and maybe it's wake off. Who knows? But the Weiner. How, how do those two people find each other? Yeah. The Wiener Whack Have Off you ever wedding. seen the Saturday nights when Daryl Hammond was on and he was on as a contestant on Jeopardy? Oh, those Je- I've watched all those oh Jeopardy a million times. Oh, my God. That is so fun. Well, Sean I was with your mother last night, Trebek. Oh, no. <laughs> That's not what your mother said last night, Trebek. My favorite one he said oh for a joke. God. Hey, Trebek, <laughs> what's the difference between your mother and a mallard with a cold? <laughs> One's a sick duck. Uh, I forget the rest, but your mother's a whore. <laughs> it's the most 
Yeah. <laughs> I know which one you're talking about. That's the one. And he'd always get oh, yeah. the, he'd always get then, the categories wrong. Right. Yeah. You know, it'd be like something and he'd come out, whores are us. Yeah. That, uh, I'll yeah. take whores are us for 200, Alex. They started with fairly <laughs> innocuous ones and then they, they found it was a hit. So they got rid Because at first, I think the first one you ever did was, I'll take swords. Yeah. And they're like, no, that's, uh, that's S words. Yeah. And then, I'll take the penis mightier. <laughs> that's the pen is mightier. I'll take anal bum cover. That's an album cover. <laughs> yeah, those are those are amazing. Oh uh, my! Norm Macdonald is seventies Burt Reynolds. Oh yeah, yeah turd yeah. turd Ferguson. Turd, Ferguson. Yeah, yeah. Burt Reynolds. Nah, that's no. not my name. That's not my name. Nah, that's not my name. Turd Ferguson. Turd Ferguson. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Those are amazing. Oh, oh my god. Um, the reason, part of the reason. <laughs> I I just really like that. Yeah, it's really are, funny. Amazing, yeah. I it's not what your mother said last night, Trebek. Um the other reason I wanted to talk about these guys in the Hall of Fame is and not only to give them congratulations, even though I got the disappointing news that Roy Halliday's wife might be a bitch. Um <laughs> I I what's his name here? Alex Rodriguez. That's who I'm trying to think of. Alex Rodriguez, of course. Uh, now probably more famous for dating Jennifer Lopez than his baseball career, but he went over 600 home runs in his career, went over 3,000 hits. I'm talking about A-Rod from the Yankees, most famous. But at the time, even more famous than that, when the, sign, the time that he signed it, it was the most lucrative baseball contract in baseball history um, that he originally signed, a 10-year deal with the Texas Rangers. Then Rangers, A, found out he sucked, and B, they couldn't afford him anymore. They traded him to the Yankees. Um, but A-Rod says, and you know, this is going to come up every time this vote comes up and every January, A-Rod says, Bonds and Clemens in the hall would help me get in the hall. Well, of course, you know, if you've listened to any previous editions of Unscripted, especially around uh, rule breakers and, and druggies in Major League Baseball, and it always comes back to our favorite friend, Rafael Palmero, <laughs> in some way, shape, or form... But, of course, we all know that A-Rod was a drug user who was suspended like one full season because of his steroid use. And, obviously, he is on that list that includes all of my buddies, meaning Bonds and McGuire and Canseco and Palmero and all these guys that were caught cheating. But, you know, I got a question about that, though, and this just came to the top of my head. Do you think... Baseball probably didn't do anything about when this juicing epidemic started in the late 80s and going back to the strike of 94. This just came to my head. This is good talk radio right here. The strike of 94, baseball's at its all-time low in popularity. The Expos lose the World Series. You're losing fans by the day because it cost you the World Series for the first time since World War I because of, of wartime conditions. You lose the World Series in 94, well, all of a sudden you start getting these home run battles between McGuire and Sosa in 1999 and 2000 and 2001 when he hits 70 and, and, and Sammy Sosa hits, hits 64 or 66 or whatever it was. But I think baseball probably knew about the, base, the, uh, the steroid issue, but the popularity, they were trying to win fans back. And when you're basically having meatheads hit the ball three miles out of ballparks and the run production was up and they were taking pitchers' ERAs 
to unbelievable levels because they were all juicing, at least the bigger names that you always saw in the All-Star game. I wonder if that didn't, if they, baseball just didn't allow that to happen for a while to help get some fannies back in the stands that were probably cynical like I am. But man, it's fun to watch baseball games that end up 12 to 11 and you've got 19 home runs and all these, you know. I wonder if that, uh, if that didn't play a role. I wonder if Bud Selig didn't know or his people didn't know that maybe there's a little bit of a problem here, but as long as everybody's keeping their mouth shut and we're getting fannies back to our ballparks, that and interleague baseball, I think had a lot to do with baseball trying to refine its, uh, rediscover itself after the 94 baseball strike. Well, you're right. I mean, that that's the most obvious example of, I think, the bigger issue, which is simply that if you have somebody who's taken steroids they have fundamentally altered the frame of their body. And I've seen this countless times. I knew a guy who took steroids in junior high and he was just always had these big pecs after that, right. even if he wasn't juicing anymore. And it just, it's a, it's always an event. You at the very least have cosmetic muscle. You have some look, uh, you just look more filled out and, and all that. And it, it's just, you can't, I mean, ideally you, if it only happened once or twice, you just ban that person forever. It doesn't matter what they do in the future, but you can't just ruin the whole sport. I mean, cycling just to get rid of Lance Armstrong or to take him out of the record and they just have no winner for seven years. That just, that was tough enough. You take away the entirety of Major League Baseball, like 90% of the guys. I mean, it's, it's just weird. It's just an impossible, there's no perfect end. We've talked about this before. There's no perfect answer to that. Ideally in a perfect world, you would just, get rid of them there'd be tons yeah. of natural guys who deserved it and worked hard i told you a long time ago about this onion story that's funny it's a funny headline but it's it's true it really gets the heart of this issue it says you know however they word it like if you get rid of the juicers turns out best player of the steroid era was craig council you know <laughs> this is a joke right but, we, but really oh, it's, it's but yeah, really yeah. seriously i mean uh, these guys are are just they're they ruined it they've they've ruined the legacy of baseball they've ruined the history of baseball they've ruined the continuity of baseball it's just ridiculous and i understand everyone else is doing it and you got to keep up and all this stuff but it's just a total shame there's no perfect answer even you look at john jones in the ufc it's like well okay even if he's not doing anything now he has before multiple times he's taken steroids a bunch of times and he's still a still skinny for some which is weird but anyway he's taken him a bunch of times we know that even if he's clean now he's gotten all sorts of benefits from it to this point including some tainted wins which haven't been taken off his record so it's there's just no perfect solution and it's really really unfortunate but uh, the whole steroid thing is just a joke and I don't have a perfect answer but I like you don't want any steroid users to get any credit for when they cheated but how do you do that I had a little I'll share a little deja vu um earlier today coming to Chris's to uh get together and and uh, tape our unscripted episodes for the week I had a little deja vu as I was listening to, on the Sirius, I was listening to the something Kane show on ESPN radio. Will Kane show, whoever the hell he is. And the reason I had the deja vu, because there was a couple of hillbillies on there, and they were obviously one of the affiliates on during this hour of the program was obviously probably the big sports station out of Atlanta. Because they had a Bubba on there, and it just sounded like I was going back to the days of Ron Barr and Sports Byline in regard to Bubba. And, How you doing, Will? Look pretty good with them there, you know that kind of stuff. And and uh, you know he just had been out uh, making sure that the uh, 
<laughs> the moonshine was flowing properly. Were you, you going to do the Eddie Murphy there? Is that what line? No. Oh, I thought you no, no, no. line. It sounded oh, like no, you were going to do something. No, never mind. No. Okay, never mind. I did hear Eddie Murphy the other day, uh, his Delirious album again. Because it sounded like you were just started sending. It sounded like when you were doing the Southern thing, it sounded yeah. like you were trying to do like what the the bit he does. What if Mister T was gay? Yeah. Hey boy, you like my cute in them jeans. Come over here and let me fuck no, you. Yes. I, I, no, no, I wasn't going that. for that. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, but anyway, they were they were debating, you know, because obviously their steroids use in baseball. These baseball players you hear all the time. Bonds. I mean, you've you've heard the list before. Bonds, Clemens, McGuire, Canseco. They should never do a day in the Hall of Fame in, in uh, Cooperstown, New York, in my opinion, for all the reasons Chris just said. They broke the law. But they were debating on this Will Kane show with Bubba that uh, they were wondering if things like Inflategate or Spygate might someday keep a Bill Belichick or a Tom Brady, God forbid, out of the National Football League's Hall of Fame in Canton, Ohio. I think we're talking about two different things there. I don't think that, uh, yes, obviously the uh, Patriots have made some mistakes and they paid for them with draft picks and, and suspensions and fines, and it still doesn't seem to deter them because they're in the AFC Championship game every fucking year, followed at least five out of eight times in the Super Bowl. So, you know, they're, they're, they're still not playing by the rules, and yet nobody in the AFC can beat them. So, but... Those infractions will never keep Belichick and Brady or Mr. Kraft out of the Pro Football Hall of Fame. No chance. These guys that in baseball, they were doing that to themselves and enhancing and hoping to enhance their performance on the baseball field illegally. Um, I guess in some ways, the Patriots guys are trying to do that in their own simple way, but I don't think it's it's as, uh, as of serious a consequence. Well, I mean, Bill Belichick never had to inject anything into himself to become like that. He would just was like that when he was hatched. I mean, like, <laughs> you know what I mean? When, his, when that hell spawn, you know, crawled his, out of a hole or whatever. His press conference the other day after the AFC Championship game. Coach, what was it like to win another AF- AFC Championship, going to another Super Bowl? I uh, guess it's pretty good. Oh, yeah, it, <laughs> it, 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 it's a good accomplishment. <laughs> I mean, I hope we're not keeping you up, Bill. Jesus Christ. <laughs> unbelievable. He is the best damn coach, though. Sure. He makes some unbelievable adjustments. He took the players out of that game for Kansas City that needed to be taken out of the game. Well, he's the master of racing one part of the offense, and he was pissed off that Tyreek Hill burned them last time. Yes. So he yeah. took out Tyreek. Yeah. And, uh, but in fairness, I mean, can't, Andy Reid's a great coach, too, and uh, KC looked better in the second half than they did in the sure first did. half, and yep. Mahomes was way better in the second half, so yep. hey. But a- Andy has lost a Super Bowl to Bill Belichick. He lost Sunday to Bill Belichick. I mean, it's no disgrace to lose to no, Bill Belichick, but I'm hoping it's time for Bill Belichick to give it up. <laughs> I need somebody else. Take him and Brady and go play golf, and let's have somebody else. I'm getting tired. And I mean, you know, I, I'm sorry. If we have listeners in Boston... Um, I used to be on EEI. I think you're very talented, very passionate sports fans. You take it a little bit overboard sometimes when there's alcohol involved, but I digress. I'm not saying anything disrespectful to Mr. Kraft or the Patriots organization, but my God, it'd be fun to see somebody else in a Super Bowl. I got tired of watching the Buffalo Bills four years in a row. And the, one of the reasons that I came back every year to watch the Buffalo Bills because I was hoping that maybe this would be the year and then if they went won their damn Super Bowl, 
they would just drop off the face of the earth. But no, we had to watch them painfully four years in a row. It was heartbreak in year one against the New York Giants. But then every year after that, they got their ass kicked. They always looked good in the AFC Championship game in Buffalo. But three out of those four Super Bowls that they were in, they were dog shit. So that first one is the one they should have won with the missed field goal. Correct, with the missed field goal by Scott Norwood. Yeah, and then I didn't know what the next three, they just got killed. Dallas took them twice, kicked the shit out of them twice. Washington got them the second year, and then Dallas got them years three and four and just beat the shit out of them. Third year, 52 to 17. That was my first Super Bowl. I remember when I was growing up, everyone was always like, oh, the Super Bowl is always a blowout and around that time. And then there was that one, like, yeah. Uh, Mostly because the San Francisco 49ers, minus the one year they had to go the, the, the 82 yards, in under a minute or whatever it was, Montana to Taylor in the end zone. Every other year besides that, usually the NFC was in a dominant period where they were kicking the crap out of the AFC every year. Well, and, and, it, and it, sorry, but Denver was usually good for getting their ass kicked a couple times early before Elway got it on later with Shanahan and won the two in a row. Uh, but for years in that period, the AFC was getting their ass kicked every year. And Scott Norwood had a chance, and it was right after. The, the uh, invasion in Kuwait and the Persian Gulf, the first desert storm. And, um, you know, they had security up the ass around the, the member of the old sombrero in Tampa. And they had security guards around Whitney Houston, who sang one of the most inspirational star spangled bananas mm-hmm. ever. And yada, 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 big American show. And, uh, but Scott Norwood, that was the one Buffalo. I think if Buffalo wins that one, if Norwood makes the kick, and if they make subsequent Super Bowls like they did, they probably take home two or three of them. But they were so snake-bitten after that. I mean, the big story the next year when they're playing Washington in Minneapolis is Thurman Thomas forgot his helmet forgot his helmet, and didn't make the first snaps of the game <laughs> because he forgot where the fuck he put his helmet. I mean, that would have changed the course of history. And it wouldn't, you know, obviously change the course of history, but, it, you know, that's what I'm getting at to that point with New England. Year after year after year, and at least for New England, I guess they win it every once in a while. Yeah, but it's really the problem is, is that it's like that again. Where even if the Patriots win the Super Bowl, overall the NFC has much more impressive top end teams than the AFC yeah. does, as far as I'm concerned. Oh yeah. And at this point, this is the problem. Well, like they, within the AFC East, they have no competition at all. Correct. And then within the AFC, it's clearly the weaker conference. So who are they really worried about? Who like if I say. Besides the Patriots, AFC superpower. Who do you think of? The Steelers? They didn't make the playoffs, right? Not anymore. So who's okay? So who else is an AFC superpower? Well, right now, Kansas City and San Diego. And they both got just got steamrolled by the New England Patriots. Yeah. And well, I mean, who and, else? But, you know, but until this year, like I said early on that I think the Chiefs are going to have a big year, but most people weren't predicting the Chiefs to, you know, be this good this no. year. And and with Mahomes, you couldn't have predicted he'd be throw 50 touchdowns. But Correct. And the Chargers, I mean, they don't have a home field advantage. The right. fact that they did this amazing is, is incredible. It to the But these kind of feel a little bit shaky. It's like, yeah, the Chargers but have what happens talents, to but... these teams? And I know you don't have the answer, but I, I'm asking your opinion. What happens to these teams... Um, in the postseason against New England. In, and now it's gotten to the point, it doesn't matter if it's in Gillette Stadium or it's in Arrowhead Stadium. There's something, I mean, as good as San Diego looked in their first round wildcard game against Baltimore, totally shutting, shutting them out until 11.52 left in the fourth period. They had 70-some yards of total offense. And then the next week, they looked like absolute crap against New England. 
I mean, it's like Belichick is doing something to him. I, I don't know what it is because if you had thought that this was the year for a, for a Kansas City or a San Diego or a Houston, even though we knew Houston had a lot more problems than obviously came to fruition. But this would have been the year for somebody to take over the AFC, I think. This was not Bill yeah. Belichick's best year. No. And yet, here they go. 38-7, to the game's over. I mean, certainly San Diego scored some touchdowns at the end to make it look more respectable. But at 38-7, to midway through the third quarter, that game's over. Subsequently, you knew. You knew. Even as well as Kansas City played in the second half to get back into the game and then take the lead, you knew, some way, shape, or form, that New England was going to come back, and sure as hell they did. What does New England do? And for all the reasons, a weaker conference, there's not that much depth, yada, yada, yada. But you would think from what New England, I mean, New England lost like a month ago to Miami on a miracle freak play at the end of the game, right? And to have to go to that extent to beat the Miami Dolphins, and then a month later you're kicking the crap out of two teams that you thought maybe could actually present a challenge to the New England Patriots, no such deal. Here we go again. New England in the Super Bowl representing the AFC. Yeah, it's it's brutal. I'd love to have seen where they'd be if they were in a tough division in the NFC. Like, would they? I wouldn't. They wouldn't have this many Super Bowl appearances or anything. And so, I'm I'm glad that they've lost a bunch. I can't believe it's now they've been to three in a row. Like, I didn't. I know. And and the thing is, like, yeah, they've got so many appearances and so many wins, but they went 11 years without winning a Super Bowl. There, right? They won the three out of four at the beginning, and then went 11 years. And all of a sudden, now when you think it's Okay, Brady's old, and who knows if Belichick wants to keep coaching. I have no idea if he does or not. I mean, you think that's going to start getting, okay, now we can stop worrying about the Patriots a little bit, and now here they've been in three in a row. I didn't see that coming at all, but a lot of it is lack of competition, and a lot of it is superior game planning ability by Bill Belichick. He always seems to have a great plan. He has specifically tailored plans. And when he gets extra time to prepare, like yeah. he will for the Super Bowl, he's even more lethal. He's like, if he's if he has 10 days, if he's like on a Thursday night and he's not playing till the following Sunday or whatever, those three extra days, I mean, his record is unbelievable after uh, any extra time to prepare. Great points. Yep. Right? So, I mean, it's just so hard. And it's like he's got this unlimited amount of plays to call that it'll get you 10 or 12 yards and no one can defend it. And Brady gets all the credit, but I mean, these are superior, yeah. you know, game planned, uh, you know, plays. And so that's, uh, I think that's what pisses everyone off too, is that the, the Patriots often aren't that great. They just sign, kind of seem to do just enough and then win when it matters. And Brady gets all the credit for all this stuff, but it, I don't think most people really feel like it's all him. It's not like Peyton Manning where he just leaves and then the team goes two and 14 mm -hmm. all of a sudden after they're usually like 12 and four, right? It's like... Well, no, as long as you had someone else who was accurate and knew the playbook, it feels like anyone else who was good like that could kind of step in there and Bill Belichick could just tell him what to do. And so no one gives Brady credit for just being able to take like a 2-14 and 14 team without Bill Belichick or anything and just go in there and just do it himself. No one, I don't, outside of Boston, nobody feels like that's what something Brady can really do. He's a product of the system and that's why people resent him. Yeah. If he was just great, even if he's an asshole, he's not even the biggest asshole, but he's just... He's just, nobody likes him. <laughs> well, you know, and I think, and and you made the point earlier, and, and uh, we've got to run, but i, I got to make this point. I don't think enough people, or maybe just enough, not enough people are, are talking about it because I don't know how you would change this. But New England knows every year that eight games of their schedule are pretty much exhibition games, in my opinion. The home and homes, or the six games, six or whatever games. it is. The six games with their other division opponents are basically exhibition games. 
if they get everybody to play, that's a bonus. But if they need to rest a, a few people, now's the time to do it when you're playing the Jets, the Bills, or the Dolphins. And that's not going to change because Adam Gaze has gone to New York. That's not going to change until somebody finds a way to finally beat the New England Patriots. And that's really a nice thing to have as a chip in the back, you know, stealing a poker term from, from you. That's nice to have a little extra security chips knowing that your division is that weak that you basically have six wins in your pocket every year. Really, you start the season 6-0. and But this Patriots team was 3-5 and five on the road and got blown out by multiple non-playoff teams. I know, I know, I know. Ugh. And this, again, was the year, if you were going to get them, this was the year to get them. Well, and I mean, they haven't and won I the Super blame, Bowl yet. But. And I, well, I know that, but I blame Kansas City's defense. Sure. Oh, yeah, and again, without that one-inch offside thing, well, they do beat them, so... A team that was 13-3 and three would have, I believe, needs to obviously believe, because I go back to the 2015 Packers. The 2015 Packers won their first 14 games of the year that year, and there was great talk, and those Miami idiots were all worried about having to not get their champagne this year, mm-hmm. 11-0 and 0 or whatever it was. We, we started off really bun- guns to the... But we lose in the first round of the playoffs. Well, not the first round, the division, because we had home field. Obviously, we ended up 15-1. and one. But our defense was ranked 31st overall in the league. And when it comes playoff time, if you can't play defense, I don't give a damn about the regular season. And I think, you know, Andy is so, Andy Reid is so good with innovative changes on the offensive side of the ball, but he didn't have the nuts. He didn't have the guy to lead him on the defensive side. And ultimately, that has cost Kansas City again. Yeah. I really believe. And I blame Bob Sutton, and he deserved to lose his job. Yeah, I hope they get someone else, because Andy Reid's a great coach. And hey, uh, take note there, Mike McCarthy. This is what a real quarterback guru looks like. You take your rookie quarterback, and he throws 50 touchdowns, and no one else throws 40. That, to me, is a quarterback whisperer. Uh, I am really looking forward to seeing Mike McCarthy, if, uh, even if we have to wait till 2020. Uh, I want to see him without a Farver Rogers and see what he can do. And uh, I am not optimistic about his chances. Well, we'll see. But we do, as uh, just spoke about, we do have to run on this uh, 295th episode of Unscripted. As always, I thank everybody for participating and hope that you continue to do so. And uh, remember, obviously, we have the nine different social media avenues for you to get your points across. So please feel free. Leave a comment. Leave a question. Um, whatever you feel and you know chris and i have always made this mandatory that if you guys take the time to leave a question a comment a statement um an indictment i don't care we'll certainly talk about it here on unscripted with mike and chris having said all that for the executive producer of our little program mr chris fluke i'm mike jansen until next time